Micah chapter 2 verse 9 and we will finish all the way through chapter 3. Verse 9, you force the women from my people out of their comfortable homes and you take my blessing from their children forever. These children become slaves and worse as did the fathers. Their rightful inheritance as God's covenant people in the promised land was lost to greed and exploitation. The idea here where it reads forever, it's a way of showing intensity and not a period of time, which is what I mentioned earlier. We as Christians, when we sin against each other, you know what? It's not forever. It's not over. There is still the availability for restoration as God's people. For the unsaved world, you get into a problem with one of those of the secular realm, I can't guarantee that. Could be forever. Could be, it could be he'll, he'll go, he could go to his dying grave. But don't let you go to your dying grave. Doing all you can, number one, to rectify the circumstance between those of the secular world. Why? Because we are the example to the secular world. We are the light. We are not to ignore them. We are not to live a life isolated from those of the secular world. However, if they refuse and or if it will be a danger to your very existence here on this world, to continue trying to rectify the ill circumstance, whatever it may be, whatever, whatever it may be, by all means, get away from them. But those of the body of Christ, those members, God's children, because when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, however the circumstance may have occurred that that happened, that is your brother, that is your sister, he is your brother, he is your sister in Christ. If there is ill matter between you, do all that you can to rectify, as Paul will write in the Romans, with everything that is in you to make peace one with another. But if that peace is not yet established, we have this hope that it could very well be not forever. Let God handle that. Let God deal with that. Always be open for the restoration of one brother to another, one sister to another, one member of the body of Christ to another. Stay away from each other if you must but always have that prayer and hope and mourning for the reconciliation between you. I mean, after all, imagine if your left arm is wounded, do you cut it off and forget about it? No, you actually take great effort to rectify it. And if it doesn't want to heal, that is to say, if it really in the idea is doesn't want your help, leave it to the great healer. How about that? It's all you can do. Always hope and care for that member of the body of Christ that God would rectify and restore. Widows and orphans. You see there, you force the women of my people out of their comfortable homes. The idea is that this was, as we learned from the Romans and from Levitic, uh, Numbers and from Leviticus, that they are, it is inherited land passed on one generation upon another. And what happens? But the husband left, leaves it for the wife, for the, for the, it's theirs now, and that's all they've got. Maybe their husband dies or gets killed in war. It's all they've got. These rulers were taking it from them, leaving them with nothing. However, widows and orphans, understand this, are the two groups of people that the Lord was specific when he said, I alone will care for them. You mess with one of them, a widow, an orphan, and it's even mentioned an alien or a foreigner. You seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. You mess with one of them, it is directly to God you deal with. 
It's like this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 5. And I will come near you for judgment. I, God says, will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners, and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien, an alien, a foreigner, seeking the living God. Because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Fascinating, isn't it? Verse 10. Get up and leave, for this is not your place of rest. Because defilement, because defilement brings destruction and grievous destruction. There's a lot there in that verse. Get up and leave, for this is not your place of rest. And there's a reason why this is not your place of rest. He gives the reason. Because of defilement and destruction. They defiled the land. The land of their rest. The land God gave them. The land God led them to rest in. The land of Canaan. It was not heaven. The land of Canaan, the promised land, was not was the land of their rest. The whole idea of God leading the people of Israel into the land of Canaan was not alluding to them as entering into the kingdom of heaven, but rather a place of rest. If and when they would obey him as their God. This is not heaven, clearly, because they're being taken away from it. The idea is this. If they obeyed God, if they did what he said, they lived in their land and they flourished. We have evidence of that. We have written documentation of that. We can prove it. But when they rebelled against the living God, when they did not obey him, trouble came. And this is one of the circumstances of trouble that we are reading about. The Assyrian army came. The Babylonian army came. The, the Romans later come. Problems, problems, problems. All because they rebel or disobey the Lord. The exact opposite when they obeyed the Lord. Now... As Christians, as Christians, when we learn to be led of God, it is that we need to know that we are at rest as we walk and act in His Spirit, the Spirit of God. We as Christians can relate and properly applicate the sections of Scripture where they speak of God's people entering into the Promised Land as the Holy Spirit-led life. When we remain in the center of God's will for our lives, we are walking in the Spirit, we are praying in the Spirit, we are acting in the Spirit. We are in the promised land. Isn't that fascinating? However, when we disobey the Lord as Christians, when we do what our hearts desire, and we will always have to contend with that, we step out of God's rest. We step out of the will of God for our lives. We are not led by God's Holy Spirit. Even though we are Christians, oh yes, it is most certainly possible to not be led of God's Spirit and be a Christian. It is most certainly possible to be a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, a priest, and be not led of God's Holy Spirit. Like I said, the majority are as such. The minority are actually those who are in the will of God for their lives who are in the center of God's will for their lives, who are led of God's Holy Spirit. How do you know? Because they recognize when they've done wrong and they rectify it. They go to the individual or even to themselves. They stop doing what they're doing. That, that keeps them outside of God's will for their lives. They go to the individual and they say, what I have done is wrong. I'm sorry. 
God has revealed it to me from his living word. So, the Holy Spirit-led life is the promised land, as we would understand when we read through the Old Testament. Verse 11, If a man comes and utters empty lies, I will preach to you about wine and beer. He would be just the preacher for this people. When I read that, it seems to me Micah's reaction to verse 6. Verse 6, where, where he's talking about the false prophets in this day. Today, they would be false teachers. But in this sense, when the prophets were teaching, quit your preaching, they preach. They should not preach these things. Shame will not, come, will not overtake us. They're going against Micah. <laughs> and when I read this, Micah's fed up. And he says, you know what? Guess what, you people? If a man comes and utters lies just like these clowns, I will preach to you about wine and beer, you know, pleasantries, uh, 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 utilities of the party life, necessary, necessities, that's it, necessities of the party life. I will preach to you about beer and wine. And then Micah goes on to say, he would be just the preacher for this people. That's the kind of preacher they need. They don't need people. They don't need preachers who are in the center of God's will for their lives. And you know the scary part about that? Do you know why the majority of teachers are out there are not led of God's Holy Spirit? I say the majority, because this is what people want. People don't want the good. People don't want holy living. People don't want to see their pastor, preacher, teacher, priest humble themselves before the living God. And actually, they don't want to see a change in him. They don't want him to say, I'm sorry. They want him to say the words. They want to see the tears, but they don't want it to be legitimate. We, we learned about that. They don't want it to be true humility. They want to be sorry for the consequence, not for the action. People want that. Well, there it is. Now, but verses 12 and 13 kind of is what's called a break and very common for the prophet of God. For the prophet of God is giving doom and destruction and troublesome times are coming upon you. But then it's not uncommon for the prophet to tell them, to show them God is dis this is for discipline because this is what's going to happen. This is the reason why it reads here, verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 and 13, it was not for your destruction. It was not because I hate you and want to remove you. I will indeed gather all of you, Yaakov, all of you, nation of Israel. I will collect the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in the middle of its pasture. It will be noisy with people. And it reads, One who breaks open the way will advance before them. They will break out, pass through the city gate, and lead by it. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord as their leader. So you already see the restoration that's going to occur there in verse 12. The restoration is, I'm going to gather them all together. I'm going to, I'm going to bring them together. That's what this is going to do. Your trouble, your punishment now will be to bring you back together. That was my whole point. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came, the living God, his son was sent in order to round us up that we might believe in him and have everlasting life. And verse 13 confirms that. Now, the one who breaks open the way, it was funny, the way it was, uh, uh, the way I heard it. The one who breaks away the word 
is to identify a wall breaker, a breaker of the wall. So you can easily say, I worship the wall breaker. How many seasoned Christians would even understand what that is? You'll know who exactly is reading the Bible, <laughs> who's actually reading through the Bible. I worship the wall breaker, the great wall breaker, because that's the idea. The idea is that Christ will come and break down that wall. He will advance before them. They will follow him. He will be their leader. Christ Jesus will be their leader. Chapter 3. Micah is a true prophet from the living God of the Bible. He was the complete contrast to the false prophets that we read about in the Bible. Micah will repeat the words that we know he heard from the one and only living God. As it is written in the first chapter there in verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Micah the Moreshite. The words of the Lord, which were spoken by Micah here in chapter 3, will be directed to the rulers and to the false prophets and teachers of his day. The people that surrounded Micah during his ministry found out the hard way that what he was telling them was the unfortunate truth. And because of the documented evidence, you and I know that Micah was a true prophet of the living God. Because that is what the Bible teaches us is in fact a true messenger of God, when what they say comes to pass. And why do I believe the words of Micah in connection and along with the words of the entire Bible? I quote once again the words of John Lennox, a mathematician in our time. He said, when asked, why do you believe the Bible? Because of the evidence. Just as it is in our age today, as the living conditions of mankind are increasingly becoming more difficult, especially now with the global pandemic that we all as man have to deal with. So it is becoming more difficult to find true men and women from the living God of the Bible. False teachers that proclaim to be speaking for the living God are giving and have been giving for thousands of years a false understanding of who the living God of the Bible is. The wonderful difference that we as men have today in comparison to those in the days of Micah is that we have the Word of God documented for us in its literal form. And because of what Jesus Christ accomplished while here during his earthly ministry, we as mankind now have direct access to the same living God of the Bible. We no longer have to depend on a certain few to tell us what the living God said. We can read for ourselves, like a history book, what it was that God said to his followers. And with the advancement of technology, that we as mankind have today, we can do all the research adequate to come to a reliable decision as to what the living God of the Bible said about himself. We truly live in the age of information, making it completely possible for us to gather credible evidence on the subject of who is God. But with all this availability, it seems only one truth is made certain. 
God is who he says he is, and man is who God says he is. You can believe this, that there will be no peace for mankind until the Lord returns. Let me say that with more biblical accuracy. According to what we have written for us in the Bible, which is clearly a collected set of well-preserved documents that anyone with the ability to read can observe for themselves. The Bible is a collection of trusted documents that are encouraged by any true and faithful teacher of the Word of God for the people to go and read for themselves. Within it do we find, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Elsewhere it reads, But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Philippians chapter 3 So when I said there will be no peace until the Lord returns, after a quick review of God's word, I see there will be no peace until the very moment the Lord returns, which says a lot to me. We, as believers of the way, will not have to wait for it, as quick as you can blink your eyes, we will be in paradise, undescribable. Our hope as believers is just that. And we ought to live out our lives expectantly. However, these are the truths of the Bible that the masses of people are not being told. Instead, they are being told about the best life that they can have right now, here on earth. All the comforts that this world has to offer can be theirs, without regard as to what God told us in His Word almost 2,000 years ago. It reads, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. 1 John chapter 2 These false and phony teachers will tell you that there is no need to wait. Tell me, do you know that word, phony? Do you have that word here on the island of Mauritius? Phony? It means not genuine or real, intended to deceive or mislead. It means counterfeit. Now, I know that you have this word counterfeit, because here on the island do we see counterfeit brand name shoes. We see counterfeit brand name clothing. I can go to the store and I can buy a pair of Nike shoes. The shoes look like Nike. They have Nike written on them. It has the Nike icon written on it. 
Ha! It even smells like a Nike shoe. You can put it on and for several days it will even feel like a Nike shoe. But for the price that I paid for that Nike shoe, it was either stolen or it was not a Nike shoe. It was a counterfeit. And more and more did I learn as I lived here on the island of Mauritius that counterfeit material is the norm here. Why would it be any different for the teachers of the Bible? These phony teachers will tell you that there is no need to wait, no struggle, no pain, no suffering. They will tell you that if you come to Jesus, by his stripes we are healed, a complete perversion of scripture by which they use to substantiate that you will have no struggle, no pain, no suffering. It will be a life of smooth sailing, all expenses paid. Teachers that give this kind of false hope, along with those teachers that tell you how much they love you, while at the same time you find out that they have been deceiving you. They will lie to you into believing that you need them. Though they use the Bible, it is to disguise themselves. These proclaimers are followers of every God except the living God of the Bible. With a straight face and with no shame, they claim to be members of the body of Christ because they are as fluent in lying to you as their father the devil is when he speaks. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, spoke to the false teachers of his day, as I speak to those that surround me today. He said, You are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. The Gospel of John chapter 8. And if the Bible calls him a father, it is because he has children. And some, if not the majority of them, Come with a Bible in their hand, always ready to devour the one that does not have that intimate, loving relationship with the living God of the Bible, which can only come when you have surrendered your ways and your thoughts to the primary teachings of the Bible. Here it is written, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. The book of Acts Chapter 4. Elsewhere, it reads, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. If you, as an individual, have a problem believing these two verses, you are going to have a serious problem understanding anything else of the Bible because the entire Bible is founded on these two verses. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other name under heaven by which we, as man, must be saved. False teachers always have you to believe that you need them. False teachers always have you to believe that you need to be where they are in order to have a correct relationship with the God of the Bible. They are somehow the glue that keeps you and God together. 
Without them, you are a lost soul. This method of proclamation was rebuked by God himself through all of his prophets sent to give his word to the people. Micah had no different message to give to a rebellious people, as we will soon see. The Bible teaches us, for there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2 While here on the island of Mauritius, I have struggled for years dealing with the question, how is it possible for these pastors and teachers to be so deceived in believing that they are doing the work of the Lord? The Bible also teaches, the Apostle Paul will tell Timothy, evil people and impostors will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Chapter 3, with its 12 verses, will be broken up into four sections. Verses 1 through 4 will be Micah's message against the rulers of the land. Verses 5 through 7 will be Micah's message against the prophets of the land. Interesting, because the office of the magistrate and the office of ministry are two great ordinances of God. Micah will address the both of them. Verses 9 through 12 will be Micah's message against the rulers, prophets, and priests all together. Not to forget the soul verse 8. Here we will have a little break in Micah's rebuke to the people with a powerful message in itself. Verse 1. Then I said, Now listen, leaders of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, are you not supposed to know what is just? Now, from the beginning of chapter 1, there in verse 1, where it continued to read what he saw regarding Samaria and Jerusalem in the days of Jatham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah, Samaria was the capital city of the northern kingdom. Jerusalem was the capital city of the southern kingdom. Though here, Micah speaks to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom as one whole nation. This is a great picture for the body of Christ to see. Though we are presently separated as a body, we are united as one in Christ. And we will be together again, if not for a brief moment here on earth, surely for an eternity in the land to come when the Christ returns for his church. Verses 2 through 4. You hate good and love evil. You tear off people's skin and strip their flesh from their bones. You eat the flesh of my people after you strip their skin from them and break their bones. You chop them up like flesh from the cooking, for the cooking pot, like meat in a cauldron. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because of the crimes that they have committed. Now, Micah is speaking to the rulers of the land. The language is quite severe. Sounds cannibalistic. The prophet Ezekiel will use the same kind of language some 200 years later. He will write, Therefore, this is what the Lord says, The slain you have put within it are the meat, 
and the city is the pot, but I will take you out of it. Ezekiel chapter 11. Now, there is nothing beautiful or pleasurable in listening to this kind of language. However, it is an accurate depiction as to how the current leaders of Israel were treating the people that God put them in charge over. The Apostle Paul will encourage Timothy to have the congregation of believers to pray for the leaders of government in this way. He will write, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior. 1 Timothy chapter 2. These leaders and rulers will then cry out to the Lord, as it reads there in verse 4, but God tells them he will not answer them. We cannot live a life of deception and destruction and expect the Lord to hear us even after we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We most certainly must have a transformed life. Receiving Jesus Christ into your life is the first step. It's next to be transformed by His Holy Spirit. If you continue to live as your heart desires, you will be destructive as these rulers of Israel are. Because the Bible teaches us there in Revelation that we are a kingdom of priests. We are the representation of who God is. Verses 5 through 7, this is what the Lord says concerning the prophets as Micah turns now his attention to those of ministry. This is what the Lord says, verse 5, concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who proclaim peace when they have food to sink their teeth into, but declare war against the one who puts nothing in their mouths. Therefore, it will be night for you without visions. It will grow dark for you without divination. The sun will set on these prophets and the daylight will turn black over them. Then the seers will be ashamed and the diviners disappointed. They will all cover their mouths or they will all cover their lips because there will be no answer from God. The prophets of God became corrupted by following their own hearts. Like a dog learning how to do tricks. They proclaimed peace to the nation when they had food to sink their teeth into but they proclaimed war against the one who put nothing in their mouths. All of you and any of you who have had a dog and you want to teach it tricks, you have a little treat in your hand and you tell it, roll over, stand up, give me your paw, bark, lay down, whatever. But that dog wants that treat. That's why he's doing what you say. This is exactly what these prophets have become. God gave in return what they gave to the people by bringing darkness upon those that were supposed to be the light for the people to know God. Darkness can come in different ways. Hard and difficult times come to all men. 
To see a man proclaimed to be of God go through a hard time is no evidence that he is not of God and or that he is not living for God. We have too many examples in the Bible that support that. The book of Job is one. John the Baptist is another. But without repentance, not being able to hear from God is a darkness without remedy. And it reads, they will receive no answer from God. Verse 8, as for me, however, Micah says, I am filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and courage to proclaim to Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. Micah speaks to the nation as a whole. Micah gives a clear and definite description of what it is to be led of the living God. There is no fear to proclaim the rebellion of God's people to God's people. It is not disrespectful to call out a pastor, priest, or messenger of God if what they are doing is wrong, according to the Word of God. Verses 9 through 12. Listen to this, leaders, as Micah now, in conclusion, speaks to the leaders, the prophets and the priests. Listen to this, leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and pervert everything that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with injustice. Her leaders issue rulings for a bribe. Her priests teach for payment and her prophets practice divination for silver. Yet they lean on the Lord saying, is not the Lord among us? No disaster will overtake us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become ruins, and the temple's mountain will be a high thicket. It reads here, leaders issue rulings for a bribe. Judges of the court were taking bribes to rule in favor of whoever paid the most, which is always a bad sign. As it reads to the priests, they were, te they were teaching for payment. In this day, and it, as the Bible teaches, the teachers did not teach for payment. God took care of them. If the teachers could get something from the ones that they were speaking to, then they would teach whatever the people wanted to hear. All pleasantries. You see now the motivation of why the priests were teaching. Because they were receiving something for the teaching, did they then begin to teach what was pleasant for the hearers to hear? No disaster will overtake us, they said. Because they were sons of Abraham, the patriarch, did the rulers, the prophets, and the priests of Israel believe that the living God, Yehovah, was on their side. Almost as if to say in approval of what and how they were living and treating the people of the Most High God. One of the greatest tricks of the devil is to have pastors, teachers, priests, and messengers of God believe that they are doing the work of the Lord when their voice and actions clearly show otherwise. And as the close here in verse 12, disaster will come upon the people as a nation as a direct result of their leaders, both politically and spiritually. You see now the importance of praying for the leaders of your nation. 
for you will be directly affected by the results of their actions. You see now how important it is to pray for your pastor, your teachers, your priests, and messengers of God that the living God of the Bible has put in your life. We all want peace, but there will be no peace unless the voices of the living God direct you away from themselves and toward the Word of God, who is also Jesus Christ.